1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Maribolaños Bolaños in San Francisco. A Senate bill that has its first committee hearing this afternoon in Sacramento could greatly impact undocumented agricultural workers across the state. Senate Bill 831 would authorize the governor to work with the federal government to create a more streamlined way for undocumented farm workers to become permanent legal residents. Central Valley State Senator Anna Caballero introduced the bill. This
0: could provide a, a very clear pathway that is easy to understand and that has some very specific requirements about what proof, what evidence you would need to show in order to, to get your status changed.
1: Caballero says the farm workers will have had to work in California for at least five years and have a clean record with no criminal violations. She says the pandemic and the recent flooding across the state have highlighted the inequities that many undocumented agricultural workers are facing. The state's Dream for All housing program aimed to give first-time home buyers a leg up, especially those in communities often priced out of the market. As we reported last week, funding for the new program ran dry in less than two weeks. But as we hear from CalMatter's Ben Christopher, it's unclear if the money actually went to the buyers who needed it most.
2: It only took 11 days for the state to shell out nearly $300 million to help fewer than 3,000 first-time homebuyers. The program was meant to help people who have historically been priced out of the state's housing market, including Latino and Black Californians. Only first-time homebuyers earning under a certain income threshold could apply. But internal data leaked to CalMatters shows that the Dream for All program users are whiter than the state as a whole. They're also disproportionately centered in the Sacramento area. The Dream for All loan gave borrowers up to 20 percent of a home's purchase price to help them make a down payment. Borrowers have to pay that money back, plus a share of the home's increase in value, but not until they sell the home or refinance the loan. The fact that the program ran dry so quickly suggests that some of the participants were already well into the house hunting process and may not have needed the extra help.
1: That was CalMatters reporter Ben Christopher. Families who once lived in a Palm Springs neighborhood are seeking reparations. Decades ago, the city forcibly evicted the mostly Black and Latino residents from their homes and leveled the area. LAist Leslie Berestein rojas has the story.
3: As evening falls on a recent chilly Sunday, I stand with Alvin Taylor at the edge of a vacant lot in central Palm Springs. The sandy soil is dotted with the remains of cement foundations. Taylor points toward a fence in the distance.
0: Uh, I lived behind the gate over there, to the left a little bit.
3: Taylor and his four siblings grew up here in the 1950s. This lot and the surrounding square mile were known as Section 14. Once home to at least a thousand people, it was a working class community of mostly black and Latino families.
0: My dad was a carpenter and my mom was a maid.
3: Taylor's dad built their home. Like the other families, they leased land belonging to the Agua Caliente Indian Reservation, on which much of Palm Springs sits. Racist housing policies restricted where families of color could live. Section 14 was a place where they could build and own homes. Old photos show a modest neighborhood with some nicer, larger homes mixed in with small shacks. What Taylor remembers is a thriving community.
0: It looked like home, you know. It was a community where it was safe. I was living next door to people who I know loved me and cared about me.
3: But in the early 1960s, when Taylor was about eight, the family was abruptly advised by the city that they'd have to leave. The evictions had started a few years earlier. Section 14's modest homes were eyesores to officials who wanted to promote tourism. This picked up steam in 1959, when new laws made tribal land available for long-term leases, making it especially attractive to the city and developers. Crews tore down everyone's homes and then burned them, sometimes with people's personal possessions still inside. Taylor's older sister, Pearl Taylor Devers, was a young girl at the time.
1: We would come home from school and see a house across the street would be bulldozed over and then set a fire or, yeah, we, we saw it. We smelled the smoke.
3: The Taylor's home was burned down too. The community scattered and for many, life was never the same. No one was compensated. Taylor Devers remembers being sent away to live with an older sister, while her mother found a new place for the family to live.
1: Even to this very day, there's nothing there to even say that we were there. The streets' names are changed, it's just, it's gone.
3: Decades later, the Taylors are part of a group of former Section 14 residents and their descendants who have filed a claim against Palm Springs seeking reparations. Their attorney, Ariva Martin, says their losses could exceed $2 billion. In February, at a church service held in honor of Section 14 survivors, Martin addressed the crowd.
1: People are awakening to a new understanding of what has been broken and how it must be repaired.
3: The claim comes amid growing awareness nationwide of racist land grabs that robbed families of color of their properties, and with that, generational wealth. In 2021, Palm Springs formally apologized to Section 14 survivors. The city is now searching for a consultant to come up with a reparations program. Most of Section 14 has been developed by now, but the area where the Taylors grew up remains bare. Alvin Taylor says the eviction devastated his family.
0: My dad just fell apart. My dad became an alcoholic. He drank. My mom and dad broke up.
3: Taylor moved to L.A. and built a successful career as a drummer, but he struggled with drugs and alcohol. He says it was a way to mask the pain. A little over a decade ago, Taylor moved back to Palm Springs and was reminded again of how much it all still hurts.
0: The trauma is something that stays there forever. I just remember us being treated like cattle and herded off like sheep.
3: Something he says he remembers each time he sees that vacant lot. For The California Report, I'm Leslie Berestein-Brojas in Palm Springs.
1: And that's The California Report for Monday, April 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening. And as always, have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Guideline. Their automated 401K plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at Guideline.com slash CA. Guideline. The California way to 401K. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
0: I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.